Welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast. Whether you have a great marriage or one that needs improvement, this is the show for you. Since 1994, we've used biblical principles to help hundreds of couples, just like you, find relationship success. As you listen, you'll get practical tips, knowledge, and motivation that will help bring greater intimacy and happiness to your marriage so that you can enjoy the relationship you've dreamed of. And now, this is Marriage by the Book. How many of you believe that you'll achieve greatness in your marriage? Think about that for a minute. Do you believe that you'll achieve greatness in your marriage? If not you, then who? You know, I heard a story once about D.L. Moody. He was a a great minister of the 1800s, mostly the latter half of that century. And he really had a huge impact on his generation and still does today. There's the Moody Bible Institute and things like this. Anyway, the way he got started was he was in a meeting and there was a minister there talking about how, and I think this is pretty much a direct quote. This minister said, the world has yet to see what God will do with a man fully consecrated to him. And Moody heard that statement and it just really went off in him. He he just couldn't let it go. And he stood up and he said, I will be that man. (laughs) And he went out and he did it to the best of his ability. He did that. He consecrated himself to God. And as a result, he made a big impact. That's kind of the question I'm asking you. You know, how many of you believe you'll achieve greatness in your marriage? That was kind of the challenge laid at Moody's feet, not not in marriage, but just in life and as a minister. And he accepted the challenge. And I think just as Moody accepted that challenge, someone has to accept the challenge of greatness in marriage. Uh, And if not you, then who? You know, what if everyone who hears this accepts that challenge? That would be a tremendous impact on our generation, on the people around you, on your children, on your relatives, on your neighbors, on your church, on people around you in general. And this episode of uh, the Marriage by the Book podcast, this is really an exhortation for greatness in marriage. I want to encourage you to seek and pursue greatness in your marriage. So welcome to the Marriage by the Book podcast today. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, let's talk a little bit about greatness in marriage. You know, every marriage has a 100% chance of success, a 100% chance of being great, you could say. If we do things God's way, there's the key right there, doing things God's way. You know, in Genesis uh, chapter 2, verse 24, Matthew 19, Mark 10, and also in Ephesians chapter 5, they all say, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. Think about that that verse there. It's probably a uh, verse you've heard before. But think about the part that says, shall become one. That's a process. You know, that's a process. It's not automatic. You know, there's a process there, and we have to cooperate with that process. Um, You know, maybe you've seen people in your life that you thought, man, they have a great marriage. They really have a good one. They have a very successful marriage. If you've seen that, you know, I wonder maybe what you thought, you know, how did they get to that successful marriage, that great marriage? A lot of times people think, well, you know, they were just lucky in love or they just married the right person or it was just happenstance. They just kind of fell into, you know, just a great relationship. And I'm going to tell you, folks, that's just not true. 
If you're looking at a great marriage, if you see a successful marriage, you're looking at the product of effort. That's what you're looking at. You know, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse 28 says that when you marry, you're going to experience trouble in the flesh. And that's not just to be a, a downer. I'm not saying it for that reason. I want you to know that everybody in marriage experiences challenges. We all do. Even the great marriages you see, they've experienced and are still experiencing challenges in that relationship. And yet greatness in marriage, success is still available. You know, how is that? Well, through effort through doing things God's way. Every marriage has a 100% chance of success. I really believe that if we'll just do things God's way. Now, think of this. There's a a gap between maybe where we are and where we can be in our marriage. You know, maybe there's a gap between where you are now and greatness in your marriage. Man, if you have a great marriage, that's awesome. Thank God. But I'm going to tell you, there's a gap. My wife, Rebecca, and I, we've been married over 30 years, and we minister on marriage, and yet there's still a gap between where we are and what we can be in marriage, okay? We're not all the way there, but I want to get there. I want to get as close as I can. So there's this gap, and, and one of my goals in life is to close the gap between who I am being in marriage and who I'm capable of being, you know, what we are being and experiencing in marriage and what we're capable of being in marriage and experiencing in marriage. I want to close the gap between where I am now and between greatness. And I want to encourage you to do the same, to make this a goal, put it on the radar to close the gap between what your marriage is and what it can be. Okay. You know, one thing we can do, one thing I can do, I'm talking to myself. Hopefully you, you realize that, but I'm talking to myself here. One thing you can do, though, is to shoulder more responsibility. Now, that probably blesses you to hear that. But again, if not you, then who? Okay? You take responsibility for your relationship. Lead in loving. Lead in forgiving. Lead in communicating, lead in serving. You know, 1 Corinthians 7, 4 in the message, one of my favorite passages, um, and the message is a paraphrase, but I really think he nails it there. He says, you know, marriage isn't a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. So there's, you know, in bed is an area of service, the sexual relationship, but out of the context of the bed is also an area of service, just in life day in and day out. So and we need to take responsibility uh, in our relationships. You know, a lot of times we're, we're waiting on our spouse to get on board and start working on things before we really fully commit ourselves. Well, you know, stop waiting and start doing, okay? Take the initiative and act on the commitment that you made at the marriage altar when you made the vows, okay? You know, decisions to be effective require action. You actually have to do something with those decisions. This goes for any decision, and it includes marriage. You know, think about this. Here's an example. Maybe I decide I'm going to lose weight. Uh, Well, in order for that decision to be effective, I'm actually going to have to make some changes to lose weight. Maybe I decide I'm going to work out more, okay? I'm going to start running two miles a day or whatever it is. You know, I actually ran two miles today. Anyway, so, but for that decision to be effective, I'm actually going to have to take some action on that decision. I'll have to put on some running shoes and get out there and hit the pavement, you know. So, those decisions uh, require some action. You know, so take action. You know, 
James, in James it says that faith without works is dead. You've heard that scripture. Faith without works is dead. Okay, if that's true, and it is true, if faith without works is dead, then faith with works is life. So if, if we will act on what we believe, then we will see life come into our situations. Let's bring that into context of marriage. You know, I believe that success in marriage is available to us. You know, it really is if we'll just do things God's way. So if I believe that, okay, if I have faith in that, then if I will put works with that, then that'll bring life, greater life into my marriage, okay? So faith, if, if faith without works is dead, then faith with works is life, okay? And we have a purpose, and a part of our purpose includes our marriage. I think you realize that every one of us, every Christian, we have a purpose in life, okay? God's created us to, to achieve something. And uh, um, part of your purpose includes your marriage if you're unless you're like the apostle paul maybe you're called to this 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 uh, gift of being single um you know you have uh, a, a call to marriage you, if you're married then part of your purpose includes your marriage so embrace that responsibility embrace that part of your purpose and do it in faith and run with it you know uh, you know I'll tell you one way to do this is every week on this podcast, we're sharing insight, you know, snippets, really. We're trying to take very small things and, and communicate them to you that you can apply. So I want to encourage you to grab those and do them. OK, so we're talking about greatness in marriage here. Greatness in marriage. And I'll tell you a trap I think a lot of times we fall into is we start comparing ourselves to others. You know, the Bible says not to compare yourselves to others. That's not wise to do. So don't compare your marriage to other people's marriage today. Maybe you look at your neighbor and think, man, they're doing this. How am I doing compared to them? Or how's this person over here doing? How do I compare to them? Don't do that. Compare your marriage today to where it was yesterday and close the gap. Okay. Work on your marriage. Don't compare yourself to others. Okay. You do what God has called you to do and do the best you can do in the context of your relationship. And that's going to accomplish great things right there. So don't compare yourself to others. And again, I really believe that, you know, all things are possible with God. The word of God tells us that. So therefore every marriage does have a 100% chance of success if we'll do things God's way. And that's really the key, really, if you think about it, doing things God's way. And this really kind of leads me into what I want to talk about next, which is God's view of marriage. What is a great marriage? Well, I want to, how does God look at marriage? What is his view of marriage? You know, his view of marriage really defines marriage. Okay. God's the creator of marriage. His view of marriage is the one that counts. How does he view marriage? How does he de de define marriage? You know, let me say this before I really get into that. A great marriage is built on scriptural principles, and society is in the process. I don't know how to say this lightly or, or easily or whatever, but society is in the process of, of revising, redefining marriage, of, of basically marginalizing or even eliminating a biblical view of marriage, okay? Society is redefining marriage. Society is wrong. You know, they're saying things like, everything's okay. Everything goes. Three people can get married. You know, they can, three people can marry each other. Three people and their cat can get married or whatever it is. You know, you don't even need to get married and on and on. And I want to encourage you to take a stand for God's view, which is defined in the Bible. Take a stand on God's view of marriage, okay? 
And again, we need to take a stand for these things. If, if not us, then who? Okay, so if you're listening to this podcast, I believe you're like minded with me, at least to a great extent. And we at Marriage by the Book teach and believe the Bible. And that's what works. Okay, I found early on, my, you know, Rebecca and I, we had a train wreck for marriage the first couple of years. It just was not working. I was trying to do things my way, and it was just a failure. And on every front, pretty much a failure. And we finally figured out that God was actually smarter than me that he knew how marriage was supposed to work and began to apply his principles, that's what worked. And that's what's going to work for you and, and everyone else as well. You know, marriage without God just isn't going to work to its fullest. Okay? God created marriage, and he never intended for a husband and wife to operate independent of him. Okay? He never intended for that to be. You know, Ecclesiastes 4.12 is one scripture that shows us that. It's where it says that a threefold cord isn't easily broken. Okay? Two of those folds in the cord are the husband and wife, and the third is God. So he wants us to work with him, and it's that threefold cord that isn't easily broken. And again, I encourage you to stand for God's view of marriage. So what is God's view of marriage? Let's talk a little bit about that. And there's so much. I could I could talk for hours about this. So I'm just going to try to briefly cover some key things, some things I believe are key um, about what is God's view of marriage. Um, marriage is one man and one woman, heterosexual, heterosexual, okay? God created them male and female, the Bible says. So it's a man and a woman entering into a covenant of marriage. You know, a covenant differs from a contract. Contracts can be voided. Contracts can be broken. Co- covenants are unbreakable. They're entered into voluntarily. Now, there are some provisions in the Bible, in the Word of God, for a, a marriage covenant to be, uh, for, for divorce to be permitted. We won't get into that today. So God does recognize there's some situations where that may be necessary. But generally speaking, a covenant is unbreakable. It can't just be voided, okay? So a covenant is entered into voluntarily. You're not forced into a covenant, okay? It's not under duress. So what happens is you make a considered choice. It's purposeful. And it involves an exchange of vows. You decide, you know what, I'm going to commit myself to this person, okay? Um, It involves an exchange of vows. It involves a decision and a commitment before witnesses and before God, okay? And then these two become one. The Bible said, we read it earlier, it says that they are no longer two, but one flesh. Let me give you an illustration. Rebecca and I have used this when we've taught at churches and things in the past. But imagine I have a, a, an empty container, and then on each side of that empty container, it's a clear glass container, and on each side of that, I have uh, blue water in one container on the side of it, and in a, a third container, there's green water, I'm sorry, yellow water, blue water and yellow water. And I take the blue water and the yellow water and pour it into the empty glass, clear glass container. Uh, I mix them, and what happens? You make green water, okay? You see a change in both. That's the point. You know, neither one is gone. You just have something new. Both are changed. Both of those, the the blue and the yellow water, are making a a significant contribution to this new thing, but they're they're no longer two. They're one. They're something completely new. Two became one, and they're both changed. Here's a big idea for you, okay? To become one... We each change, and that's not accidental. It's purposeful, and when we enter into a marriage covenant, that's what we're 
really that's what we're covenanting to do. I'm going to become one with this person, and that's going to require change on my part. Me loving them, my life's going to be different after I say I do than it was before. And that was a big part of the problem Rebecca and I have. I expected things to stay the same, and it, it didn't, okay? So what has to happen for two people to become one? Well, there has to be change, okay? So again, we're talking about God's view of marriage here, and I'm doing just a very brief discussion of this. You know, so a man and a woman enter into a covenant, and then they engage in sexual relations. That's a countercultural thought nowadays, isn't it? It's after marriage that they engage in sexual relations. You know, again, in the message Bible in 1 Corinthians 7, it says that sexual desires are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them. I really like that. Sex is designed for marriage. Just like communion, you know, typically communion, the Lord's Supper, is meant to be taken by covenant partners, people who are believers, who are in covenant with the Lord, okay? Sex is like that. Sex, just like communion is reserved for covenant partners, sex is reserved for covenant partners. That's something you do once you're in covenant with someone, okay? So, again, a man and woman enter into covenant, and then they engage in sexual relations monogamously, monogamously that means one sexual partner and then they have children and rear them together now let me just say this if you had sex before marriage if you had children out of wedlock god's not mad at you i'm not mad at you god loves you you know time and time again in the bible in the gospels you see people will come to jesus and he'll deliver them and some take the woman who was caught in the act of adultery for example they brought her to jesus they said she was caught in the very act and the bible doesn't specifically say it but evidently if she was caught in the very act and brought to him she must have been without clothing you know nude okay so what did jesus do did he condemn her did he not love her no he saved her he's first and foremost a savior he saved her okay he rescued her out of that situation from death and then he told her go and sin no more so he didn't condone her sin he rescued her out of it because he loved her and he told her go and sin no more in other case he tell people you know go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you so and we want to, just because you may have done something wrong in the past, there's no condemnation. There's salvation for you. So just go from this point forward and begin to do things God's way instead of our way, okay? Okay, something else about marriage, about uh, God's view of marriage. Think about this. Think about Genesis, the book of Genesis where it talks about marriage. You know, marriage is the first organization that God placed on the earth. It's really the foundation of society. The first titles that God handed out, you know, weren't president or congressman or senator or doctor or whatever. They were husband and wife, husband and wife. You know, marriage, we should value it. We should respect it. We should esteem it. Okay. These are all aspects, I believe, of great marriage. It's, it's, we realize that it is a foundation of society. It is important and we ought to value it and respect it. We should esteem it. We should value our spouse. Okay. The success of marriage is fueled by God's kind of love. Okay. The success of marriage is fueled by God's kind of love. You know, we're supposed to love our spouse as we love ourselves, according to Ephesians 5.33. That would be, I need to love my wife, Rebecca, at least equal to how I love me. And I believe there's a case to be made for actually loving her more than I love myself, for preferring her to myself, okay? And I'll get into that maybe another time. 
Okay, we're running out of time on this podcast. So, you know, marriage for me isn't about me. It's about Rebecca, my wife, and vice versa. Marriage for her isn't about her. It's about me. That's awesome, okay? And love is a unifying force. Love is when we make a decision and commitment for the the to see to the well-being of this other person, to be a blessing to them. And that's a, a unifying force. Colossians 3.14 tells us that. And marriage, it's a picture of Christ and the church. Okay, Ephesians 5.32 tells us that. Marriage is a place of unity. It's a place of agreement. And it's a place of purpose. There's a purpose for your marriage. So, I want to just wind it up there. Maybe I'll come back and talk more about this next time. But make greatness in marriage your goal, okay? If not you, then who? Make marriage and greatness, uh, make greatness in marriage rather a goal for you. And I believe an important part of greatness in marriage is knowing God's view of marriage. How does he see it? And coming into agreement with that. To arrive at any destination, if you're going to go to, I don't know, Disney World, you need to know where you're going. You'll plug that address in your GPS or your phone or whatever, and you'll need to know where you're starting from if you're going to get there. It's the same way. To get to, to, get to greatness in marriage, we need to know what a, what a great marriage is, and I believe God defines that, okay? And I just tried to very briefly and just poorly, I would suppose, define what greatness in marriage may look like. Not Poorly is not the right word, but just very briefly, uh, just sort of a real synopsis of that. But anyway, we tried to show you what greatness in marriage looks like. So take a look at that. Look at where you are and begin to close the gap. This is doable. All things are possible with God. Make greatness in your marriage a goal that you have, okay? Thank you for listening. Be sure to share this podcast with, with others and have a great week. We hope you enjoyed today's Marriage by the Book podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review, and hit the subscribe button. For additional resources or to go deeper, visit marriagebythebook.org. See you next time.